The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And today we're talking about probably my favorite subject, which is the children of today and how we need to support them more appropriately in their education. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show Terry Damlos and Zara Lightway, who are um, at the hub of a new organization and I'm very sad to say I got the website wrong on the uh, on the advertising on the banner here so make sure you you get this right and you go to www.seedingthefuturenow.org and you'll see a beautiful website that has been constructed by Terry and Zara but before we go into seeding the future now I'd love you both to have the opportunity to uh, uh, sort of inform our listeners as to why the, uh, the current school system just isn't meeting the needs of our children today. And perhaps, Terry, you could begin. Sure, Peter. Um, I've been involved with the public school system for 20 years, and um, what I have observed is that it really um, is a system that um, kills the children's spirit. Um, and I use the word kill, it's kind of strong, because it, it really does do that. It does more than just dampen it. Um, in my experience with the, with the current system, the kids don't have, um, they don't have choice. They, um, our system was created during the Industrial Revolution, and um, at that time its purpose was to prepare the children to either become soldiers or to become factory workers. And what did they need to learn in order to do that? And that was to be able to walk in a straight line and to be able to take orders. And my observation is that is what we're still training the kids to do. Um, there is so much more to them, and there's um, so much depth and wisdom, and our current system just isn't allowing them to express that and, and to be able to teach us about that as their adults. Now, you have children of your own. What was their experience like, or what is their experience like? Um, yes, I have four children, and they're all out of the box. Um, <laughs> Oh, good yes. luck. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm on the tail end of, of, of it. But um, the two older ones um, went through the system. Um, one of them um, just actually recently graduated from college. And, um, but he was really fortunate enough to have children or to have teachers that really allowed him to express himself. Um, 
he's very, very creative, um, very much into drama and writing, and because of where we were at the time, um, teachers were really open to that, and he wasn't a special program for that. Um, my daughter had a different um, circumstance and has recently just decided that education is no longer for her. She's 20, and she's um, gone out and um, become very successful in her career um, at the age of 20, doing what it is that she loves and that she's excellent at. And then I have a 14- and a 16-year-old who, um, who don't go to school. They um, just refuse to go. And some people say, you know, you're crazy. You know, you have to make them go. And the reality is I saw and I have seen the effects of what the school system has done. Um, Their creativity, their giftedness, um, their ability to really excel um, was not appreciated uh, in a school system. They're also very sensitive. And so they go into these schools where there's a lot of drama, a lot of um, rules and regulations, and um, they end up getting sick. Their, their body just cannot take it. And um, so right now they're at home and uh, they're studying and doing what they love. Thank you. So, Zara, just, uh, just add your experiences to the mix. Okay. And, uh, Peter, thanks for having us on the show. appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, okay. I, I'd like to add on to what Terry said. Um, definitely the schools were, were deliberately created to bring a farm workers into a more of a a factory working type of situation. And I think we have to admit it was was very successful at that. The Industrial Revolution was powered. And so for me, it's more a question of it's obsolete. It's not needed anymore. We have to um, have systems that allow children to be more creative because we don't even know what they're going to be doing. I just saw yesterday that in 2004, the top 10 jobs now did not even exist. So we really can't predict what people are going to be doing. So for me, the biggest shortcoming in terms of what children today require that's in the traditional system, both public and private, is that it's focused more on putting things inside the children in terms of filling their brains with knowledge and skills and they are rebelling against this because they don't even see a reason to be learning things they're not interested in. And I think even before our generation and older, we felt that way, but we kind of went along with it. And children today just aren't willing to just go along with it and just learn it because now I'm in fourth grade and I need to learn this for fifth grade. And the main reason given at each level of learning for learning what is being learned is that it will be needed for the next level. Instead of what we require now, which is systems that allow what is within to come out, that celebrate the strength rather than focusing on the weaknesses, and that truly allow the children to expand outward and create their world, which we're having to do now faster and faster and faster because everything is changing and our system is still based on a society and a way of life that was at that time very static. Um, so that's where I see the biggest issue, uh, that of seeking to put things in rather than allowing what's there to come out. So let me chip in <laughs> with my, yeah. my, uh, my bit, because I, I was involved at the secondary level, as many of my listeners will know, I was a secondary school principal in a, in a really high-quality university prep uh, independent school here in, in Canada. And the reason I want to talk about that a little bit is even those kids who were successful 
in that system. Uh, one of the reasons that I ultimately left was there's nothing to do with uh, the school itself because it's the whole system that, that is limiting. But what it leads kids down paths because of a pressure that comes from somewhere, and it's to do with parents, it's to do with the school, it's to do with the, 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 the friends, and, and these kids end up sometimes doing a 10-year, let's say, medical degree or, or lawyer's degree or whatever it is, and they never really, really wanted to do that. And they got forced into this, this funnel uh, of success, which was not in their heart. And I and, and just want to mention that on our local news yesterday, they had a, an article on about the, a group of kids that went from my province, British Columbia, to Haiti to help last year before the earthquake. And they were caught in Haiti during the earthquake, and so they experienced firsthand what it was like there. And they interviewed these kids yesterday, uh, a year later, as part of the, the, uh, the anniversary uh, focus on, on Haiti. And they had this one young guy on. He was obviously a grade 11 or 12 student. And he, and he sat there and he said, you know, before I went to Haiti, I was one of these driven academic students. And after I saw what I saw there, and I experienced what that was like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm actually living my day, day to day, doing what's really, really important to me and following my own true path. And to mm -hmm. me, I'm thinking, here's this guy who's had this incredibly powerful, challenging experience, and he got it. He got, he got the point that we today have got to do what we've come here to do. And these kids, these so-called indigo and crystal kids, have come in with a very, very specific mission that they want to fulfill. And they're driven to do that. And if we spend most of our time wasting their time, they just end up being extremely frustrated. And so it becomes a, a counterproductive system, which appears to still be working for some kids, but actually at the deepest level of being isn't. And, and we look at all the, the people in, in, in the, the baby boomers now who've gone through this path of, having success, getting the degree, getting the job, getting the house, they're getting all the toys, getting the big car, the boat even. And now they're in their mid to late 50s and 60s and they're thinking, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a part of this, this issue which goes on throughout life. And instead of really getting down to the root reason for us being here, uh, we're missing the point. And that was actually really the reason that I, that I stepped out of my job was because we need to do this differently. And I'm so delighted that you are here with me. And obviously you can feel my, my passion build as I talk about this stuff. So sorry to dominate for a few minutes, but I obviously feel really strongly about this. Well, and I think one of the things I have noticed is that um, really more and more of the kids are just saying, I'm not going to do it no matter how old they are, if, if they're in preschool or if they're you know in high school. They're just knowing that this isn't okay. It's not okay to have these standards, and all of us have to learn the same way at the same time and, and pass this, this test. I mean, and so what happens, unfortunately, sometimes is there are not a lot of options, and so kids end up dropping out of school or getting involved in things that perhaps are not too beneficial for them. But um, it's just, to me, it's just amazing that they're just playing out saying, you know, nope, not going to do it this way anymore. I know the way that I'm supposed to be doing it. So. Mm -hmm. uh, what disturbs me, I've seen happen a lot um, on that note, is how, um, in essence, the system as it is, is actually a lot more friendly towards girls and how girls learn. And we're seeing huge numbers of our boys 
being put on very strong drugs because they have this perceived condition of not being able to focus and having too much energy, the ADHD syndrome, which if you talk to many uh, scientists, they say it doesn't even exist. It's just a list of behaviors. And if you have this behavior and you're a five-year-old boy and you fidget too much, you might have ADHD. And what's happening with that is I'm seeing the children being shut down with these drugs and shut down in their beingness. Um, I worked with a woman in Houston before I moved here to Colorado. And I went to observe her son at school because I read the report and she was going to court and her husband was very much um, in favor of the little boy, seven years old, being put on, I think it was Ritalin in that case. And she was against him and wanted to pull him out of school. So I went and I read the reports of him shouting out and doing this and doing that. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is really bad. And having come from being a public school teacher, I understood that with 30 children or even 25 at that age in the class at once, one child that's going absolutely nuts can definitely have a huge effect on the ability to to teach. So I went in very open-minded and I watched and... At the end of it, I walked up to the teacher. I said, so is this the behavior? And she's like, yes. And she seemed so frustrated with it. And my mouth just dropped open and I wanted to cry. This child wasn't doing anything. So I could see he, like, at one point threw a little ball of paper across the table to this little girl who picked it up and threw it back. And that was about it. And yes, he did shout out all the answers. But guess what? He got them all right. He looked like he wasn't listening, but he knew the answers to everything. And he was struggling to do all these worksheets because it was so boring for him. So Terry and Zara, we're coming up to our first break, and I want to come back and and revisit this point after the break. It's a really important one. Thank you for raising it. Okay. It's been a time for awakening to conscious co-creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Are you looking to discover who you really are? Do you want to know your true self and your soul purpose? Tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom with your host, Seti Nave. Let Seti be your guide to be self-empowered and learn about the magical arts. SETI's guests are made up of practitioners, teachers, and life-minded people who are interested in more than just going through the motions. You will learn to manifest your dreams when you tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on 7th Wave Network. Explore the infinite possibilities of the unknown. Learn about the mysterious and mythical realms through time and space. Realize your inner truth. Tune in to Spirit Walker with Dr. Jeffrey Pierce and co-host Cindy Pierce. Dr. Pierce is a true intuitive 
He is legally blind, uses no cards, pendulums, or guides, and has been found to have 97% consistent accuracy based on testing by the United Kingdom Institute of Psychic Sciences Research Center. Listen for topics that others are afraid to address on Spirit Walker, Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. West on 7th Wave Network. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. At this point, I'd just like to thank one of my sponsors, TheNatureDoctor.com, a whole new line of whole food nutrients for conscious living. I'd like to just return back, Zara, if we may, to the point you were making just before the break about these fidgety boys who don't seem to be paying attention, and yet they, they've heard everything that's been said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think most of the time they, they really are paying attention. They just need to, to move. And even though we're talking about boys, I'll tell about what happened with a girl that I had in one of my French classes. She was eighth grade. Well, actually, I had her for seventh and eighth grade. And she would sit in class and was constantly drawing, always drawing, drawing, drawing. And in many cases, a child like that that's always doing something, it looks like they're not paying attention, but they're just very highly kinesthetic and they, they require movement as part of their learning. And so every now and then I would check in and by asking her a question and she always knew the answer and so I allowed her to just draw all the time. At the end of the school year, Peter, she wrote on the class evaluation that I always did, what a, what was it, a release, a dream, a safe space that my classroom had become for her because she was able to do that yeah. and nobody else would allow that. So, and then when it comes with the boys, I think boys have to move a lot more in general than girls. And at the same time, what's been happening with them being put on these medications, we've seen a drop, a huge drop in the amount of time allowed, even at the elementary level, for children to be outside running around. Mm-hmm. When I was in school, we had an hour for lunch. We would eat our lunch and we'd be outside running around for at least 45 minutes. And we would have a break in the morning, and we had another break in the afternoon. And now in some schools, um, and you can read about this in Peg Tyer's book, The Trouble with Boys, she makes a very good explanation of everything that's going on around this. And she's talking about there's some elementary schools being built right now that don't even have a playground. And she quotes a principal as saying, well, you know, what are they going to be learning hanging from monkey bars? <laughs> so it's as though... This acquisition of pieces of knowledge that we don't even know if the children are going to be using necessarily has become more important than their physical health and every other aspect of their beingness. And I, I see education systems where we turn that on its head and it's the exact opposite way around. So you've just triggered a, a question for me. So and perhaps, Terry, mm-hmm. you could just pick up this ball for a moment, but the importance of play in children's lives, even mm-hmm. at school. 
it's crucial. It's crucial. There was um, a friend of mine just sent me um, a phrase that his three-year-old daughter um, had shared with him. They were playing um, imaginary whatever for quite a while, and he had to leave to go make a phone call. And she turns, her name is Audrey, she turns to her dad and said, you know, I'm not going to be coming with you to um, make that phone call. She said, I have to play. If I don't play, I will lose myself. So here's an awareness that three years old, that play is essential um, in order for her to discover who she is and, and what she, she is here for. I said, talk about words of wisdom coming out of the mouth of babes. You know, there, there we go. But um, it just, it, it's not um, important because um, play is where so much is discovered. And um, it's just, it's not understood. It's not understood that it is a tool um, to learn, to experience um, so many social skills, so many um, inner, um, it, um, so, excuse me, so many things about ourselves. Um, it's essential, but it's true. We don't allow the kids to play, and we don't value that at all. That and, and no windows, um, that's the, the other thing, building schools with no windows so nobody can look out and daydream. <laughs> So, so Terry, perhaps right. you could continue by, by giving us um, just a couple of examples of uh, the kids that you've worked with or experienced who have this greater level of awareness that we need to uh, honor and respect. Yeah, I've had some amazing experience with students in my class when I was teaching in the public schools. And um, a couple of, of times what happened was we would be reading a story and then one of the kids would raise their hand and they would say, um, you know, this reminds me of one of my past lives when I was, and they would go on about the story about their past life. And I'd have some of the kids nodding and going, yeah, I, I'm remembering that too. And, and some of the other kids were puzzled, you know, what are they talking about? But that's happened numerous times to me. Or um, I've had students come and talk to me about the angels that come out of the gateway of heaven on the back of their neck. And they would say, you know, they've asked if it's okay to come into the classroom and to participate, and I just want to make sure it's okay with you. And I would say, surely it's, you know, invite them and have them stay as long as they want. Um, I've had kids go into in-depth um, descriptions about their life on other planets. Um, I had one child that um, told me the whole history of the planet and then actually wrote in the language of that planet. And it just came out naturally from them. Now, I know some people would say, oh, it's just their imagination. But what is imagination? You know, um, it's truth. And I think a huge part of that is, is my, um, the way I allowed the children to express themselves. I didn't put them down and say, you know, put that story away and don't, don't talk about that now and, and all of that kind of thing. But there was an openness and it just spread. And um, they would go on and on about it. Re um, recently I was in a classroom and I was telling the kids about a dream that I had had. And so we got into a huge discussion about that. And then about three-quarters of the class ended up telling me about how they had this dream about black holes. And I was, well, tell me more about it, you know. I was all excited. And, and they said, well, it, it's just a black hole. We just go in it. And, but they all had had the same dream about black holes. So um, it's exciting. It's, um, there's so much that's there. And it's so important to ask these questions of idle curiosity. When they, when they give you that line, rather than shutting it down or, or judging it, we just ask the next question and, right. and ask right. them to expand and go into it more. And, 
And these kids have never had the opportunity to do that because they can't, they can't do it with most adults because those adults just don't, don't understand and will close them down. So when we ask those additional questions, first of all, it acknowledges that we believe them, which is really, really important. It's their reality. And secondly, they will then go to another level of explanation for us. Mm-hmm. So Zara, perhaps you could fill us in on some of your experiences with the children. Absolutely. Um, actually, I remember just last week I went to the rec center here in Durango and there was this little boy in the changing room with his mom and um, we just started talking to each other and he was pre-verbal and we had a whole conversation through our thoughts and emotions and this child was ecstatically happy because there was somebody there that could hear him. And I really didn't even realize myself the full extent of our communication on that level until I got home later and I was looking back and I went, but wait a minute, you know, it really, we, I didn't really say anything. Hold on. But we did this whole communication piece. And then um, just watching him, you know, I taught two and three-year-olds for nearly two years. And so I said to his mom, oh, how, he's about two, right? And she's like, no, he's 16 months old. And I'm looking in this child's eyes and he seems he's so wise and he's has this presence and even his, his gross motor abilities were so advanced. And I'm seeing this more and more with these very, very young children. They're just so far ahead and they all seem to be able to communicate. And the key is looking them in the eyes and being present and and, you know, literally feeling, thinking a message at them. And they brighten up and you can see they've received it and they start to communicate back. And if we're just open to that, we can feel it. And I'm not saying what we said because it's almost impossible to put into words what those feeling, that feeling communication is. It's, but it's right there and it's very understandable in that moment. Um, I could only communicate it really to others by, by sending it to them in the same way. Um, That's then, another really important point, Zara, that I really want to, to make because one of my experiences with the older kids has mm-hmm. been that they will have a, a vision or an awareness or a feeling and then trying to express that in uh, language or in drawing or writing limits the experience. And, and again, it's a, it's a really frustrating uh, experience. And so to be able to actually telepathically or consciously or heart-centeredly connect across and, mm-hmm. and communicate in a different way in a level, at a new uh, expanded level really takes a lot of that frustration away. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. And the children feel heard on a whole new level, a whole mm-hmm. new level. And his mother really, I mean, she was getting that something was going on and she knew that he was just beside himself with happiness and she's like looking at me and she just didn't know what to make of the whole thing. It was so interesting. Mm. Um, but Terry also reminded me of another one, if I may. Do we have time? Yep, yep. Okay. It was a dream that I had about a friend of mine and in the dream she was completely covered in ants and I had no idea what it meant. So I went to school that day. At the time, I was working as an IB middle years program coordinator. And I found myself with this group of, of girls. And I, said, I told them the dream. I said, do you guys have any idea? I kind of got the message to ask these children, do you have a sense of what this means? And a couple of them shared something. And then this 
one particular girl, and I happened to be watching her at the time. She was standing there, and she was thinking about it, and all of a sudden, I could see the download arrive. And she, her eyes brightened. She's like, it means something's wrong. Something's up with her. Something's happened. Like, she's hurt or something. And she was so surprised. She had no idea where this came from, but it resonated as truth for everybody. So I went home, and I uh, called my friend, and sure enough, she'd been in the hospital. Oh. and um, needed uh, required support at that time. And then, um, in general, I noticed uh, while I was doing that job, it was a fifth and sixth grade campus, so that is um, four children, 10 and 11, 10 and 11 years old. And every now and then I'd be walking around, and I'd suddenly see flashes of color in the air. And my guidance would say, hey, ask these kids about that. And so I and I had to play it very carefully because we're talking, you know, Texas, and in the most part, for the most part, people there's a lot more religion than there is openness to to these kinds of things. And uh, so I'd say, you know, that's really weird. I, I just saw some purple right there. Did, did you guys see that? And you would have been amazed that every, about ninety percent of the kids had some type of experience that related to it. They didn't see colors. They heard voices. They'd seen their grandmother who had passed away. They knew right. about angels, but often they were being told, no, this isn't okay. You're just right. making it up. Or even worse, this is evil, and don't do this, and don't go there. Right. And, and, and they just say a wide range of different experiences. We're coming up to yeah. our second break, and I'm going to put Terry and Zara on the spot when we return and ask them what their visions are for the new schools of the future. Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Wondering what the heck is going on on planet Earth? Feeling time speeding up but your energy slowing down? Then there are those strange physical symptoms, sudden life and career shifts, a sense of loss of identity or purpose. As we rapidly move into a new dimension, the old structures are falling away. How will we navigate what is new? After all, the Ascension doesn't come with an instruction manual. Hillary Harris hosts Ascension 360, Navigating the New World Energies, airing live Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Ascension 360. Tune in to see how it all turns out. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a higher dimension. 
Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And I'd just like to point out that there's a wonderful opportunity coming up next Wednesday for a free tele-event with Swami Biondananda, uh, otherwise known as Steve Behrman, and Dr. Len Lasko and myself. Uh, we are going to be running a seven-week tele-seminar series, a journey through the seven chakras, to help us all manage and understand what's going on in this very interesting beginning to the year 2011. And next Wednesday at um, 5.30 West Coast time, we're going to be doing an hour-and-a-half show, a free event, to inform um, the listeners to the way in which the seven-week seminar series is going to work, but also to give you uh, information about what is taking place on the planet now. Swami is an expert in laughter. Len is an expert in love. And I am going to try and piece this together in our Telly's event and our seven-week series, Love, Laugh, and Learn. So please go to www.myheartcenteredjourney.com where you can register for the free tele-event. There are some other beautiful uh, gifts available uh, from, from the website, some meditations, for example, that I have done, and a number of the really high-quality uh, guests that I've had on this show over the last few months. And that includes today's guests, Terry Damlas, and Zara Lightway, and I'm now going to ask them, having discussed the old educational system and the kids and the powerful awareness that the kids bring into the world today, I'm going to ask them their own visions of what the new schools will actually look like. So perhaps, Terry, you could go first. Sure. I opened up um, my own school last January and in the process, um, learned a lot. One of the biggest things that I did learn is that um, it really needs to be the children that create it and that I am basically right now a tool to do things for them that they can't do. And so it's a place, um, an environment that is very sacred. Um, it's a place where children can feel free to be themselves where there's access to nature, because that is such an important part of who we are and who they are. And um, in my vision, um, it's a school that is children choose to do what they want to do. When there is interest in something, things are provided for them to learn about. Um, if they choose to spend the day um, in quote-unquote play, um, so be it, because there's such great value in that but that we trust the children, um, that they know what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And we're simply here to um, help them in any way that, that we can. Um, I had just really amazing experiences um, at Open Doors where the kids just spent so much time teaching each other things. They would bring things in that they were interested in, or we spend 
several weeks learning about ladybugs because there were ladybugs all over and habitats and what works and what doesn't work, but it all came from the kids. Um, and so that's, um, in a nutshell, the way I see schools going, um, the way I see schools hopefully going and needing to go. And Zara? Yeah, I align with Terry. Um, there so do I. Must be, <laughs> yeah, there must be more trust between adults and children and also different relationships. I think that's a huge part of it is for adults to unlearn the way they were interactive with uh, by adults when they were children and first see children as a human being and then as a child. And even that shift is enough to say, oh, would I speak to another human being in this way? Would I insist that this be done now, right now, and no arguments and don't talk back to me and having that kind of attitude with another adult? And and if I did do that with another adult, what would I expect their reaction to be? And recognize that that's what the reaction that we're getting from children as well when we respond to them in those ways because they are human beings and they have the same kinds of feelings as adults. So, and I I feel also within that relationship that the boundaries both ways are very important. Children have to be able to set boundaries and so do adults. Now, in terms of what that looks like within a school, it becomes this very co-creative space where even the governance of the school is done either democratically or, if we're ready for it, sociocratically, which is consensus rather than majority. I, I like that better, and I'm, and I'm still learning how exactly that that works and when you get to an impasse and so on. Um, and then the other part is, too, that the children have to be able to design it, that we, we have to listen to their input and take it seriously. Um, I'm actually really excited because in Durango right now, I've discovered there's a master plan for the community and a big piece of the recommendations of the committee around youth is that teachers, community members, and parents have to relearn how to interact with children. So this is going to be a county-wide movement. I'm very, very excited. And it's going to be infused through the schools, through service learning, um, which I feel should be a part of every school because it makes learning relevant. Um, All of that said, though, I, I feel that every community has the right to design their own school, their own type of school, their own educational space or environment, and that there's many ways to do it. And there's a lot of good pedagogies out there because it's great, let's say, let all the children learn what they want to learn when they want to learn it. Let's do that. But then we still have to have adults that are able to help them learn through expertise. Teaching, facilitating learning is a skill that can take many years to acquire. And without that piece in there as well, I mean, how how are they going to learn when they choose to learn? If there's no skilled teachers or co-learners, I really like to help that along. And different ways to um, help them acquire the information. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. So obviously there's a lot of fear from parents around doing things differently in a, in a new school system or a new way of doing things. And one of those fears resolves and re- revolves around whether they'll get into college and university and whether they'll be able to go into, into the professions uh, ultimately. What do you say to those parents? Me? Sorry, uh, t- let's go back to Terry. Yeah. Um, 
well, what I have talked to, and I'm talking to my own children about that at the moment, is that um, presently universities um, around the country are really um, starting to look at portfolios and that less um, emphasis is being put on the high school diploma and um, the SAT and, and ACT scores. But there's many people who have children that have either homeschooled and um, never attended a, a public school or a private school. And um, it really is a creative um, experience for the students that are applying for college because they have to be um, sure of themselves. They, cre- they create their own portfolio. They have an oral interview. And um, so many of the kids, it's just it's not an issue for them because this is how they they are. This is how they've always been. This is how they see how they see school is. Um, it's not something that someone else is going to do for them. Although, as as Ara said, of course we have to have guides in in there. But um, there's just is a self confidence that radiates from them, and um, schools pick up on that. And they say, we want this kind of student in our school. This is the kind of person that has the leadership, has a wide range of experiences, and um, it's just becoming less and less of an issue for kids. It's just not there really anymore. I mean, certainly there are going to be the schools that are going to say no, but the options are much more plentiful. It's really interesting, you know, again, from my experience at the senior level where some of the top uh, schools in the country, or considered top schools in the country, the Ivy League schools and and those that have uh, high expectations to get in in the first place, uh, are now complaining that the kids that they're having, who are these kids achieving high marks on exams, don't have any uh, creativity, don't have the ability to stop and reflect, and they're, mm-hmm. they're almost like automatons churning out all the, the right answers. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the key thing that you've talked about there, Terry, I believe, is is this intrinsic um, motivation that comes from within the child, because they... This is what they want to be doing, and once the child is doing what they want to be doing, they'll learn all the bits and pieces that they need to to be able to fulfill that goal um, because they're, they're driven to do so, and they want to do so. And as you say, they become empowered, they become confident, and they're doing it for all the right reasons rather than being forced to by external uh, factors. Right. So, Zara, right. what comments would you have at this, uh, about this? Well, I agree with both of you, absolutely. Um and I would say even further, I, I've talked to some of these young people. I went to, in Vancouver in 2008, the International Democratic Education Conference happened, and there were panels of young people. And that question obviously comes up a lot from parents and from children about college. And what these young people had to say that had been through um, totally free schools where they get to choose when they go to class is that when they got to college, what they found was they were so far ahead of their peers that there was almost, they almost couldn't relate to them because they were there because they had completely chosen to be there. They had their own way of learning. They were very self-directed. They didn't need to be told. They were well-prepared academically. And if on the occasion, and it did happen, that there were gaps in what they had learned, they had the tools to go and say, all right, I need to learn about this now. And it was no big deal. They went, they got the books, or they talked to a professor, or they they went and learned it, just like an adult would that makes a career change. But they knew how to do that. And when I see that and I compare that to 
Well, let's just face it, according to the last statistics I saw, I think the dropout rates of fresh college freshmen is about 50%. And we're offering remedial courses in reading and mathematics to catch people up coming out of this more traditional system. Because they weren't having, I think part, a big part of it is that they didn't have a choice about when they learned anything. And um, I understand the, the fear of the parents. I've even heard stories of... It's okay. We're just coming up to our final break. And after the break, we will uh, talk about seeding the future now. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Can you define your talent in six words or less? Are you using your inner resource, intuition? Listening to Joyce Anderson of Conversations with Yourself will work your intuitive muscle to discover your divine skill. Each week, your host, Joyce Anderson, will give you practical exercises to jumpstart your intuition, to live in your talent. From sports to business to music to food, talent is everywhere. Join Joyce and her engaging guests to hear their how-to stories. Tune in to Conversations with Yourself Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network and ignite your talent. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And as I said at the beginning of the show, this topic is probably the most important topic that there is for me. I'm very aware that historically we have lost our connection to spirit and we have lost our connection to nature. And our children of now need to make that reconnection and we need to do our school systems and our education differently so they have the opportunity in their schools to reconnect with nature and reconnect with spirit. And so a few weeks ago when I was approached to join the group of visionaries 
for Seeding the Future Now. I, I was delighted to get involved in that. And the website was launched just yesterday, quite deliberately, on the 11111 uh, as a new seeding of this uh, very uh, exciting situation uh, in assisting others to open schools in their communities. Again, I apologize for getting the website wrong on the banner. It is www.seedingthefuturenow.org. And I'm going to hand the ball back to Terry and Zara because they have spent uh, a lot of their time recently in setting up the website and also working on the structure and framework within which Seeding the Future Now is going to operate. So perhaps, uh, I think Zara, you've probably spent the most time uh, on the website. So why don't you begin? Okay, I'd love to. Thank you, Peter. Um, see, Seeding the Future Now is a project for helping communities of people to create their visions of education for children. And our one big non-negotiable that we came up with as far as working with communities to create a new paradigm education was that children must be involved in the creation process. Other than that, what Seeding the Future is about is being there in a co-creative way for communities, and this could be an alternative community or eco-village type of community that hasn't up to now had its own school and would like to create one and isn't really sure how to go about it. We can work with a group like that or a, a more localized group, say, within a city or a town that's parents, educators, or other community members. And our goal is to um, find out what are the desired outcomes that you have and then to share with you our expertise and knowledge in how to achieve those through educational pedagogies, through organizational structures we've talked about before, and obviously through listening to the children and what it is they see as a system that would meet their needs. Um, that's basically our mission and our vision and then the way that we're going to do it, I'm going to let Terry speak to that if she'd like to, on the visioning panel, the conference call and co-creation team. Okay, thanks, Sarah. Um, I just wanted to add that one of the reasons that I really wanted to be involved in this as well is when I opened my school, I did it totally by myself. Yeah. And um, it was huge. It was, it was way beyond um, what I could have imagined. And had there been an organization like Seeding the Future Now, um, life would have been a lot more um, easy, and um, I think things would have flourished um, a little faster. So, um, with that being said, is um, what our process is, is that you contact us, and we will send you a questionnaire with some um, opportunity for you to meet with your group and really spend some time um, thinking about what it is that you want to create. Um, after that is done, we'll have one of our panel mem members um, spend time with you on a conference call, or several of us at, um, actually, and be able to go over those questions with, with you and um, help you decide what direction you would like to, to go in. Um, from that, if you are um, wanting to continue on, what we actually can provide is to have some of our panel members come out to where you are located and provide workshops for you. Um, to really help you get started. 
Um, we'll go through the whole process with, with you. And if you go to our website, all of that is outlined for you. And um, we also, of course, will be with you throughout the whole process. And even after things get going, um, our support continues. It's not like, okay, you got it going. Good luck. We'll see you later. But um, we're there with you because many, many things come up, as both Zara and I can, can tell you, after opening our own schools. So. Absolutely. And the key thing is that in, in, in this process, it's covering all elements of uh, setting the school up. It's covering the local regulations and policies, the, the environment in which uh, the school is going to take place, both in terms of its physical nature, um, the logistics of how it will actually work day to day, uh, a sustainable uh, model that will work through time, and also helping people to set up their, their own vision for their, for their own school. So the key thing which you mentioned earlier in the show is that we are uh, planning to assist people in setting up the schools in, which the, in the way in which they wish to do it. We are not offering a set template of how these schools should operate because we don't feel that's appropriate. What we do feel is appropriate is that we can offer the expertise and help in setting up the frameworks to help people create their own schools. And I, I just want to come back to that comment earlier. It's always sort of amazed me that you will have communities and eco-villages and uh, they will be self-sustaining within themselves, and then they'll send kids off to the regular school system, uh, which just, just doesn't work. I can, and I can only assume that, that, that the reason that happens is that people just haven't known how to, how to set up their own school and how to, to make it work so that the kids can have a, a complete holistic experience in, in the way that we would want them to. And I've spent enough time now with the visionaries within this group to know that they are full of integrity and honesty. They know what they are doing, and uh, I'm absolutely delighted to be a part of this. The website was launched yesterday, uh, www.seedingthefuturenow.org. And I strongly advise, even if you're not interested in setting up a school, I, I strongly advise you go to that site because you'll see some wonderful uh, YouTube, some quotes some, from children, and, and just a refreshing look at the way in which we consider our children and the way we look at them. So amazingly, we are coming up to the, the end of the show, and so I'd, I'd love to have you, Terry, and you, Zara, have the opportunity uh, to make some final comments about seeding the future now and about educating our children. I'm just very excited that this movement has taken off. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about for a very long time, um, but just not really knowing how to go about doing it. And when I finally did decide to go ahead and, and open something um, up, um, I was amazed at the amount of interest that was there. There are so many people that are dissatisfied with the system and um, really are looking for ways to um, create something new. And so Seeding the Future Now is, is a way to assist those people to, 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 to do that. And fairly quickly, Zara? I agree with what Terry said. I, I haven't mentioned up to now, but I did do the same basic journey as she did with opening a school. And, and really, I had a lot of assistance from my community and sets of my friends helped me and they showed up when necessary. But I was doing it basically on my own. And it was very difficult. So to me, Seeding the Future Now is about a change in paradigm. It's no longer about the lone school founder stepping out there and spending 20, 30 years building a school, which often shuts down as soon as they leave. 
it's more about communities and people taking back their power and doing it for themselves. And we are here to assist with that process. I just want to add real quick that children are really asking us to do this now, too. Yes, they are. Absolutely. And I'm going to have to cut us off there. I thank you so much. Please do visit seedingthefuturenow.org. My guest next week is Gary McDonald. Everything you need to know to get to heaven. He's tackling all of the big questions. So it's worth listening to his answers. He knows what he's doing. I hope you have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.